0: Several weeks ago we discussed the question of Shkita and the Islamic custom of Al-Kibla of facing, facing Mecca, roughly east from this part of the world that's something that Muslims do, they face the Qibla, they face Mecca in a variety of contexts, religious contexts and so on Jews, we face east, roughly east from this part of the world when we daven, not when we shecht and beginning with the Rashma, about 700 years ago Seven, more than 700 years ago, there was a question as to whether Jews were permitted to practice this custom as well. Not that they had any interest in doing so necessarily, but there was pressure from the Muslims. The Muslims wanted them to do that. So there was discussion as to whether Jews were permitted to face Mecca, to face Al-Qibla, when they performed shita. There were several issues about Zara, idol worship, Chukas general prohibition against following the customs of the non-Jews. At the time, we discussed uh, various issues, including the, the crucial issue of whether Islam is Avodah or not. We're going to return to this question tonight, Tonight, continue discussing whether is, whether Islam is Avodah or not. Before we do that, though, I just want to add a kind of addendum or a continuation of what we discussed two weeks ago, We discussed several weeks ago, we previously discussed the custom of the Qibla, of facing Mecca during Shrita. There's also discussion in the post of another Islamic custom that was practiced during Shrita, a very similar discussion. And that is the custom of the Takbir, better known by the actual words the Muslims say, and that is Allah Akbar, or Allahu Akbar. We know that, unfortunately, as the phrase they say when they go and uh, commit terrorist acts and murder innocent people, but the takbir, Allahu Akbar, is actually something that they say in a variety of religious and other contexts. It's, uh, it's a religious credo of God is great, Allah Akbar, God is mighty. We'll see more about exactly what it means as we go. And apparently there is a, just as uh, a pious Muslim will face Al-Qibla when he performs Dabiha. Hebrew, we say zvicha; they say dabicha. I don't know how you pronounce that, but they spell it d h a b i h a h. So they zvicha, dabicha, just like they, they just like they're supposed to face al kibla. They're also supposed to say Allah Akbar before they slaughter the animal. So the question once again arose: Is a Jew permitted to in, to to engage in this practice when he slaughters an animal? Again, a Jew himself wouldn't have any particular interest in doing so, typically. But the question arose when there were Muslims involved, and the Muslims wanted Jews to do it. It would be convenient, we'll, we'll see in more detail exactly why soon, but it, would, it was convenient for Jews to do it sometimes. The question is, is a Jew allowed to say Allah Akbar when he uh, went right before he shech an Adam? Now, just as we discussed with, uh, with Al-Qibla, there's a lot of learned, intricate discussion in the Islamic poskim, the Islamic... Uh, we have Ask the Rabbi sites. So they have all kinds of uh, Islamic question and answer sites where people, Muslims, write in and say, uh, is, this, is, this, is this minhag ma'akev? Do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? So they have all kinds of discussions with sources and citations of whether exactly how important it is to practice the takbir during Dabicha, how important is it to, to uh, say Allah Akbar before you shocked an animal. Some say it's Ma'akev, some say it's not Ma'akev. But this question arose in the 17th century. This was a machlokis between the Prikhadash of Cheskia di, Silva, Cheskia di Silva and the pre Toa Rabbi Chaim ibn Attar, two of the great uh, outstanding Sephardic postkim of the time. The Prikhadash is famous as a posik, the author of the Prikhadash. And the pre Toar of Chaim Ibn Attar is famous. Uh, he, he was famous for a variety of Sfarim. His most famous Sefer is probably his Archayim on the Archayim on, on Chumash. But he also was, a, was an outstanding posik. He, he wrote the pre Toar. He wrote other, other Sfarim on Halacha. So this, was, this question was a machlokis between whether a Jew is permitted to pronounce the formula of Allah Akbar, the takbir. Is he, is he allowed to say that when he does Shkita? So the Prikhadash rules as follows. See, the Prikhadash says that in these areas, Islamic countries, that we have the same system we discussed previously, the same system in practice today, that when Jews slaughter animals, they take the kosher ones, and the non-kosher ones, instead of having to throw them away, they, they sell them to non-Jews, which minimizes their, which minimizes their, uh, their, their, their liability, their, their economic exposure if things go wrong. The problem was, if you want to dispose of your non-kosher animals by passing them off to the non-Jews, who were Muslims in this case, the Muslims were very from, and the Muslims insisted that they weren't going to buy them, unless they said, Allah Akbar, unless the takbir was pronounced over the animal at the time of the shchitah. As he puts it, l'fi dasa ha according to the law of the Muslims, eina nechcheres ha this is a pretty strict interpretation of the law, it's ma'akev even b'dyevad apparently. The behemoth is not kosher unless Elam Kane Yomar Hashochit. The slaughterer has to say Besha shchita, Alav Akbar. He spells it vav vav, Allaf Kaf reish. but that's the, the phrase we all know, Allah Akbar. What does it mean? It says the prichadash, it means Kael Kabir. Allah, of course, means God. Kale, same word. Kale, Elohim, Allah, it's all, it's, all, it's all the same word as uh all, all different words for God you say potato, I say potato, we say we say Elohim, I mean, we say Elohim, and kale. they say Allah. I remember how uh, how struck I was once when I was learning Hilchiz Gittin, I was learning about names. So I came across the question in one of the Sephardic postkim. a Jew, <coughs> how do you spell the name of a Jew whose name was Abdullah? So, <coughs> I, Abdullah didn't seem like a very Jewish name, <coughs> but uh, sure enough, there were Abdullah was a popular name among Sfardim. I mentioned this to one of my Sephardic friends. Of course, of course there are Jews named Abdullah. As a matter of fact, the, one of the teachers, the great teacher of the Beneshchai, the, <coughs> the Beneshchai, or Yosef Chaim of Baghdad, one of his teachers was, was uh, I believe, was Rabbi Abdullah Samech. Was, uh, his name was Abdullah. And the name Abdullah, Abdullah means, you know, Arabic and Hebrew are cognates. Oh, Simcha has a picture for us of the, of the Beneshchai. Um, he got it today, a picture of the Ben Ischai. So Rabbi Abdullah Samech was a teacher of his, I believe, and his name was Abdullah. So Abdullah, Hebrew and Arabic are, I think, cognate languages. Abdullah means Ebed, Abed of Allah. Abed is Ebed, Allah is God. In other words, in Hebrew we have a name Ovadia. Ovadia means Oved Hashem or Eved Hashem. In Arabic we say Abdallah, meaning Ebed of Allah. And in Yiddish, we have Goddiner, which means, Deen means to worship, he who worships God. So it's all the same name, Avadia, Abdullah, Goddiner. So, but the point is, Abdullah in, in, in Arabic means "Evid of Allah, and Allah just means God. So Allah Akbar, what does Allah Akbar mean? Allah means God, and Akbar says the Preechadosh means Kabir. In Hebrew, Kabir means mighty, powerful. So Allah Akbar is God is great, God is mighty which is actually what the phrase means. Uh, the Allah Akbar, that, that that is roughly what it means. It means God is great. So he says, now the Muslims are very particular that, that the sholchet say this at the time of the shkita, And just like we're very strict about saying things at exactly the right time, and even a few seconds too early or too late is not good, they're very strict as well. <speaking in> hey <Hebrew> makpidim, these words cannot be said al samoch Shita miyad. That must be said immediately prior to shkita. And the P'chadosh doesn't, doesn't seem to have occurred to him that there was anything religiously problematic about a Jew pronouncing this formula. His only question was a technical one. What do you do about the and shchita? We make a bracha and shchita before you Yishecht, and the problem was, if you make the bracha first and then say Allah Akbar, then it's, uh, then, then it's going to be a because You're saying Allah Akbar in between the shchita and the, the bracha and the shchita. And if you say the formula first, then the formula will be pronounced a couple of seconds before the Shechita. That was too early for the Muslims. Says the... Says the... Says the Brichadash, this is a real problem. Again, the problem is not, you know, theological, religious. The problem is simply technical, halachic. Saying Allah Akbar is a hefsik between the bracha and the shkita And if you if you say it, then you're making a grave mistake, a serious mistake, because you're losing the bracha the shkita The solution is, he says... Just shecht an oaf, shecht a, a foul first, and have that bracha go on the behemoth, you're going to shecht afterwards. The oaf, you don't have to say al akbar because what's the worst that'll happen? It'll be a trefa the Muslim won't take it. First of all, oaf is not worth that much. I think he means, second, we don't do the the, the checking of the lungs on an oaf, so, practically speaking, an oaf is not usually a trefa so the stakes are not so high. So, shecht an oaf, make the bracha immediately prior to shechting without saying al akbar the bracha will go on the, on the behemoth. Later, Later you can say Allah Akbar if you have to. Or he says, start doing the Shechita before, b- b- before you finish the Shechita, then say the bracha, say Allah Akbar, start shechting the animal, then uh, say Allah Akbar in the middle of the Shechita if you have to before the Shechita is done. So, that, so that's what, uh, th- then make the bracha before the Shechita is done, that'll be fine. So the B'chadosh again has no problem, no religious objection to this. He just says you have to work things out and do it in such a way that you won't have a hefsik between the between the bracha and the shechitah. The truth is, the pre solution is not so simple, because even if you say, Allah Akbar, uh, because, because, because even in his case of Oaf, for example, where you're going to make a bracha on an oaf, and then the bracha will go on the behemoth, and then you're going to say, Allah Akbar, before the behemoth, ideally, you're not supposed to, You're really not supposed to talk between the, the bracha and all the animals that you shek The We ask it's like tefillin. Just like you're not supposed to talk between the tefillin Shalyad and Shalrosh, the bracha of the Shalyad is supposed to go on both tefillins, even though you make a separate bracha on the Shalrosh, we're also, also not supposed to talk between the Sharyan and the shalrosh, And we actually actually in that a Shoket is not allowed to talk between, the, between one behem and the next. So this is not a totally uh, satisfactory solution. But for our purposes, we're focusing on the religious and theological aspects here. The Prychadosh has no problem with the formula itself from a religious perspective. Saying God is great is fine. The problem is, it's, uh, it's a technical problem in terms of the, the brach of Shechitza and the laws of Hefzal. So, so the, the, the Muslim rule apparently was that they, they would not eat from an animal where the shochet, whoever the shochet was, did not utter the phrase Allah Akbar at the time of the shechitah. So we were doing our own, our own shechitah, but since, since if the animal is a trefa, we want to recover the loss by selling it to the Muslim, the Muslim will not buy it. For him, it's not kosher. He'll say, I don't want to buy it. You didn't say Allah Akbar on the shechitah. So I'm not going to buy it from you. And then the Jew will have to, uh, there weren't any Christians around, I guess. Some Christian Arabs apparently also say it, but either way, there weren't any atheists around who would, who would take it without Allah Akbar, so the Jew wouldn't be able to sell it. It, do, it doesn't sound like the Muslims were actually forcing the Jews to sell it under penalty of law, but it sounds like they wouldn't purchase it, they wouldn't be willing to take it off our hands unless we pronounce that formula at the time of the Shita. Okay, so that is the Prikhadesh. Now, the Pretoar was very unhappy. The Pretoar says, forget the question of Hefzik, he says. He says, I don't, I'm not happy with a Jew uttering this formula at all. He says, even though the Prechadash says it's theologically harmless, it just means kale Kabir. God is great. A Jew is allowed to say God is great. What's wrong with that? So the, the Pretoar has an extraordinary uh, critique of the Prechadash's analysis. He says, first of all, he says the Prechadash was not an expert speaker of Arabic. Now we think of the Prehadesh as a Sfardi, but as he points out, he says, you know, he wasn't really so familiar with Arabic, he says. He wasn't born in an Arabic country. He was born Bare Edom. He was born in a Christian city. And he grew up in a Christian city. Which city? He Hayerah Zosashurban Sasi, the city in which I currently live, Rupaim ibn Attar said, which is Hain Hayom Ir Livarno, the Italian city of Livorno. Which is true, the Pre-Kaddish was born there and lived there till he was about twenty when he emigrated to Yerushalayim. And the Pritar lived there at this point in his life. So even though we think of the Pritchadash and the Pritoar as quintessentially Sephardic poskim who lived in Arabic-speaking countries for at least much of their lives, he didn't grow up speaking Arabic. When he went to school, he didn't learn Arabic. He didn't uh, his, his younger years, where a person learns language. He didn't he, he didn't grow up on Arabic. Therefore, he cast aspersions. The Pritoar cast aspersions on the Pritchadash's understanding of Arabic. Lishna di Ankuse lav Lishna di Aravim who the, the, the and the, the tongue of his youth, was not the, was not Arabic, he says. Maybe the, maybe the non-Jews told him that's what al Akbar means. We don't rely on them. Unless you're really a native speaker of Arabic from your youth, you can't trust what people told you the words mean. I, I don't really understand the argument. A person can learn a language when he grows up as well. You can't, it's easier when you're young, but people do learn languages as adults. And even if you don't trust what one random person on the street told you, there are dictionaries, there are... There are experts, you know, surely it's possible to know what, uh, what a word actually means if you, if you research it properly. Moreover, the Prechadosh was actually correct. The word uh, Allah Akbar does mean God is great, that is what the word means, that he actually was right. It's not as if he made a mistake about this, that, that is apparently what the words mean. Furthermore, he says, the Prechadosh says, even if we accept the Prechadosh was right, and that Allah Akbar does mean Kel Kabir, who do you, who's it going on? He says, "Is it really going on? Uh, is it really going on, a an incorporeal God, Allah, analogous to the Jewish God? Maybe it's going on." Muhammad, he says. He says, even though the Rambam, which we'll discuss soon, says that, that or, or the, the, the Rambam does say, Islam is not of a desire, they don't worship idols. How do we know? Maybe they, maybe they worship their, maybe they deify their leader. Again, I'm not sure why we're. I mean, we know what Islam is. It's an old religion. It's a religion with a lot of written records or a lot of Muslims to talk to. I don't know why he's engaging in all this speculation about what Islam, what, what Islam believes. And it's pretty clear that Islam is a monotheistic religion. Again, we'll, we'll get back to that soon. But the Preetoar has all kinds of objections to the uh taking for granted that Allah Akbar is an innocent theological declaration. Furthermore, he says, Islam has... Uh, Islam has, uh, is now a syncretic faith. It ha- it, it's absorbed other aspects of other religions and beliefs, he says. And maybe, they, and again, maybe, maybe they're referring to Muhammad in the first place, he says. They believe he's Kabir. They believe he's mighty, Even though they tell us that it's going on at Kosh Baruch he says. Maybe they don't even know he says what they mean. Uh, again, we say all kinds of tefillahs and formula. We don't always know what the original kavanah of the tefillah was. So maybe the original... Those who composed the phrase Al-Akhbar meant something else. Again, I don't know why you have to be khoshish for this. So you, we, again, it's pretty clear that Islam is a monotheistic religion, and I don't know why he has all these uh, concerns, but the Pritar has all these objections. And again, I'm not even sure why it matters. If, they, if, they're, if, they're original, if the original, if the originator of the formula had an idolatrous intent, but they use it today to just mean God is great, I'm not sure why that would be a problem if their initial intent was something else, but that's what he says. Furthermore, he says, maybe those who really know, the experts, those who really understand the nusuch of their, of their credo, maybe, maybe they know that it's going on, uh, Muhammad, who they're, who they're deifying in some sense. So, because of all these objections, he says, Al-Kay Nira, the pretar, says, Ein lomar dvar Forget the question of hefsik and bracha. A Jew should not say Allah Akbar at all, even in the, even if he's going to do it the way the prikhadr said, to avoid the question of hefsik, he still shouldn't do it. Furthermore, he says, it's a question of chukus following the following the laws of the non-Jews. HaKash distinguished us from them, and he said, don't go in their ways. Even even something like this, he says, furthermore, it's mechzi k'modib adasim chas v'shalom, by pronouncing their credo, even if it's true, even if it is technically a theological truth, God is indeed great, we believe the same thing, but to adopt an Islamic phrase is uh, <coughs> is improper, to adopt an Islamic religious phrase, uh, Phrase fraught with religious significance, even if it's technically correct from a theological perspective, you shouldn't do that. So these final objections, I think, are much stronger. It's Kukus agayim to pronounce this particular phrase with these exact words in this particular context, as we saw, as we saw previously with the Al-Kibla facing Mecca, even though it's relatively harmless. It's not uh, the pritar himself we mentioned previously, Actually, was somewhat lenient about uh, about the al qibla. He pointed out that uh, he himself pointed out that it, it, it that it, it, it's similar to what we do. It's similar to what we do with the, with the Mizrah. He says it's certainly not a Odizara, He says Muslims are kafirim. There, there, the Bitter was much more sympathetic to Islam. He said it's certainly not a vodizara. Muslims reject the vodizara. They're miyache diyuchd shalem as far to, entirely. They they actually execute. He says those who are meshati of shem shemayim b'davar those who uh, add additional deities to, 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 to their worship, and the Qibla is just like our practice of facing Mizrah. It's just a way of uh, showing respect and respect to Akash Baruch Hu. And uh, they stole it from us. He says that the that they wanted to be shkita of ne'amakum. He says if those who understand Islam, he says, understand all this. He, he said, there he's much more confident that he understands Islam correctly. And the practice is theologically harmless. However, he says, uh, and that was even worse facing Mecca is, is, is fundamentally about Muhammad. The, 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 the place of Mecca has significance specifically to Islam. Saying God is great, that's universal. That, that Judaism believes as well. Facing Mecca is uniquely Islamic. Nevertheless, the Pritar said, uh, even though it's not so bad, ainbo gnai, nevertheless, it is also because of huk sagayim, you shouldn't do a lechachila. So the common denominator of the Pritar's position is positions is that both with regard to Al-Qibla and with regard to the Takbir, both these things he feels are, not, are, are, are certainly also because of Chukas Hagayim, that you certainly shouldn't be adopting non-Jewish practices, even Muslims. However, the, the tone of these two paragraphs is rather different. In the discussion of the Al-Qibla he emphasizes it's, Islam is not a vodazara. they're monotheists, they, they, they believe in the same God that we do The facing Mecca is Ein it's harmless. Nevertheless, you shouldn't do it, he says, because it's a non-Jewish practice. In the discussion of the Takbir, for some reason he's much stricter. He suspects them of all kinds of nefarious worship of idols, even though the words Allah Akbar seem perfectly okay. We don't know what they mean, we don't really know what they believe, maybe they really worship Abad Azar also, maybe they deify Muhammad. For some reason here he's much more antagonistic to Islam, I don't know why. But in, anyway, the bottom line is: in, in both cases, he's opposed to the practice because, of, in, regarding both practices, he's opposed to them because of chukus And in the case of the of the takbir, he he actually worries about all kinds of possibilities that there is actually a vodizara involved, despite the fact that we that as far as we know, Islam is a monotheistic faith. Nevertheless, he's concerned about uh, possible elements of a vodizara. Now. The chuva I want to focus on tonight is a chuva of the Rambam. This is an extraordinary, it's a famous and extraordinary chuva. It is uh, one of it's one of these famous examples where, where, where the Rambam as a posek as a halachist intersects with the Rambam as a human being, as as a friend, as, as, a le- as a leader as a leader of a community. It is a thoroughly fascinating chuva and it deals ultimately it deals with the question of whether Islam is of a desire or not. Now, we mentioned in the previous share regarding the Al-Qibla that the general consensus of post is that Islam is not of a vodizar. And certainly that's based on what we understand. I'm not, I'm not an expert on Islam, but what I understand, what I believe we generally understand about Islam is that Islam is not of a vodizar. They worship a god very similar to the one we worship. We diverge from Islam. Islam diverges from us in that they believe Muhammad was a Navi. And they have a different, certainly a different Torah, a different Torah, a different Torah Shabbal Pad, different history. But the ultimate theology is not that different from what we believe. And generally, we assume that Islam is not of a desire. This is the position, most notably, of the Rambam. The Rambam certainly knew as much about Islam as anybody else and knew as much Torah as anybody else. And the Rambam is the most famous exponent of the view that Islam is not of a desire. The Rambam says this in various places in his writings. and at greatest length in this tshuva that we're going to study tonight. Before we get to the tshuva, though, we'll quote briefly one passage from his Yadakazaka. The passage from the Yadachazaka is an interesting passage. It is in the discussion of Yayin Nasakh. The Halacha is that that food or wine that was offered to Avodah is Asir, Takrovis Avodazara, Zivchai it's Asir Bahana. So a carbon that was slaughtered uh, to an idol is usr Bahana, Jews can't, certainly can't eat it, they can't even benefit from it. Wine that was poured, a wine libation for an idol, that's called yayin Nesach, that's Aser midaraisa avodiz- as a form of Avodah Zara. Chazal made a major expansion of that. Chazal said any wine that was handled by a non-Jew is Aser, that's called Stam Yenam, it's Aser b- B'Shtia, it's Aser Bahana, it's Aser to drink, it's Aser to have Hanar from it that's based on, at least in part, that's based on the Dindaraisa of Yayin any wine that was handled by non-Jews is also asr. There, there were several reasons for that. One reason is because of Avodah He might have used it for Avodah Another reason is as a barrier against intermarriage. But that's the halacha of that's the halacha of Stam Yenam. And the Rambam is discussing how the law of Stam Yenam applies vis-a-vis non-Jews who are not idolaters. He's not a Jew, he's not a Ger, he's, he's, an, he's, he's, he's 100% Gentile, but he's, uh, he doesn't worship idols. So how does the Halacha of Stam Yenam, how is that affected by the fact that he doesn't worship idols? So the Rambam writes that a Ger Toshav, which is someone who keeps who accepts upon himself, formally commits himself to the seven Noah laws, his wine is still Asir B'shtia, you still can't drink wine that he handles. However, mutter bahana, you're allowed to derive benefit, unlike ordinary Stam Yenam, which is Osir even Bahana, the, the, the wine of a Ger is is Mutter, Mutter Bahana. We'll discuss our practice about Stam Yenam momentarily, but the, the, norm, the, the, the classic halach of Stam Yenam is that it's Asur Bahana. Gertoshev is an exception because he has formally renounced idols. The Rambam goes on. And the, the remainder of this Rambam has been somewhat uh, butchered by the censors or to appease the censors, but the, the, the proper text to the Ramam is, kol the same applies not just to a formal Gertoshev, but to any non-Jew, to any Gentile, who does not worship idols, such as these Muslims, the Muslims that we know in our time. So again, the halacha is, you still can't drink the wine, but it's mutter bahana, you can sell the wine, that is the ruling of all the ga'onim, Aval for but the Christians are Ovdevoda Zarahain, they are considered idolaters. And the Asur And their wine is Asr Not only can't you drink it, you can't even have any kind of benefit from it at all. So those lines, had notes those lines were omitted from the standard printed Rambams because of the censors. They didn't want to offend the Christians, or the Christians made them take it out, or they did not want to offend the Christians. Preemptively they took it out. But our focus now is not tonight on whether tonight is not on whether Christians are idolaters. Our focus is on whether Muslims are idolaters, and the Rambam says explicitly, even in the censored text, that a guy who's not ovdevo vodizara, for example, elu hayishme Muslims are not considered ovdevo vodizara. This is actually the basis for, more or less, the basis for our leniencies today. Today, wine without a heksher is considered stamyenam; you can't drink it. However, it's not Asr bahanah. And the reason is, again, the Machaber, the Ramah, different, different Rishonim express it differently, but basically it's because we're not dealing with real idolaters. The Ramah brings a tradition that are of Deva Dizar, are not real of Deva Dizar. even Christians. They, they, they don't, they don't uh, they're not as uh, enthusiastically committed to their idolatry as they used to be. The Rambam says that Christians are of Deva Dizar, their wine is Asir Bahana, but the Yishmaelim of the wine is not Asir Bahana. I was uh, I was once having a very, uh, a very peculiar conversation with a friend of mine, a very distinguished Talmud Chacham. We were discussing Uber drivers or you know, DoorDash. You we know, were discussing drivers who, who who deliver food, deliver food commercially. So the question is, can you take an order from uh, from a non kosher restaurant? There are different issues involved. A contemporary post can discuss this. Can can you make profit? Can you do business by dealing and delivering non kosher food? So, we were discussing, my friend and I, different issues involved. one of the issues was what about wine? What if the, what if the delivery is a delivery of wine? Can a Jewish driver deliver non kosher wine to, to a, to a non Jew? I'm not, not even talking about a Jew, but, but uh, can he deliver non kosher wine to a customer? So, I said, well, stam yenam is so what's the problem? So, my friend says, no, stam yenam is asar So, I'm like, no, stam yenam is mutar He said, no, stam yenam is asar so I was I was scratching my head trying to figure out what's going on. Finally, I realized the issue. My friend is a Persian. A, he knows that he knows Ashkenazi Kalach well, but he is a Sfarde Kalachist. So for him, the, an, an ordinary non-Jew is uh, his wine is still considered uh, his, his wine is still considered Bahana, unless he's like the Ishmaelim, who we know are monotheists and don't worship idols. I'm not sure what a, what a typical American today would be. Someone who's uh, not very religious at all. If he affiliates Christian, but he's not, you know, deeply religious, according to the Rambam, what status he would have, I don't know. But a Muslim or an atheist, uh, his wine, even according to the Rambam, is, is only is bahana because he's not he's not an idolater. According to the Rama, most of the are all of the avodasar today, their wine is still muter bahana, because they're not serious, hardcore avodasar anymore. Even if they, even if the religion that they affiliate with is considered an idolatrous one, like Christians, they're not really uh, committed avodasar. So, everyone agrees that a Muslim's wine is not Osir but an ordinary American Christian's wine, an ordinary American Protestant, an American Catholic, his wine, for Sfardim, it's much more strict. For Sfardim, his wine is Osir Bahana. For, uh, for, for, for Ashkenazim, we're more lenient that his wine would be Muter But in any event, returning to our topic, the Ishmaelim, the Rambam rules here, are not Ovdeva Zara, and that's why their wine is more lenient. The Rambam develops this idea at great length in, a, in an extraordinary tshuva he wrote. The tshuva was written to a man named Ravavadya HaGer. It was a Ger Tzedek, a non-Jew, perhaps a Muslim originally, who had converted to Judaism. And this, this, this Ger Tzedek, his name was Rabbi Avadya, he had gotten into apparently a heated argument with a Rebbe of his about the status of Islam in Halakha. This, this Ovadia had insisted that Islam was not of was not and Muslims were not Avdeva D'zara. I'm not sure that the subtext you know, maybe suggests that he himself had, had formerly been Muslim, and, and it would have hurt him to, uh, to believe that he was formerly an idolater. I don't think he makes that point explicitly in the tshuva. But this Ovadia, Hager, had argued uh, vigorously that Islam is not Avdeva D'zara, and his Rebbe had stridently insisted that Islam is Avodazara. Muslims are Avdeva D'zara. So he wrote to the Rambam, Rabbi, this, this Ovadia wrote to the Rambam asking for clarification. Elu ha'yishme'elim she'amarta she'enam you said they're not idolaters. V'omar lecha rabcha, your teacher, your Rebbe, said they are of and he apparently was quite heyshev uh, l'cha he was quite rude to you, he was quite uh, hurtful to you adshinus atzavta alibcha you were hurt, finachlamta you were humiliated Vikara Alecha Aneik Silki valto, famous Pasuk, answer a fool according to his foolishness. He, so he apparently mocked and dismissed Ovadia. You're a fool, I'll answer you accordingly. So this Ovadia was very hurt, and he wrote to the Rambam asking for, for clarification, for sympathy, for, to, to help him resolve the matter. Says the Rambam, Chuva, Eilu Hayishma Enam Muslims are not idolaters at all. PM The idolatry, maybe the ancient Arabs were, but uh, obviously they were. But uh, idolatry has been uprooted, has been uh, extirpated from their their belief systems. They are miached Hashem. They 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 believe in monotheism, absolute perfect yichud without any uh, theological irregularity. Now, they accuse us of believing that God has a child. I'm not sure what that's all about, but the Muslims apparently accused us of, of, of believing in gross theological uh, nonsense. But just because they they falsely uh, calumniate us and accuse us of theological heresy, that doesn't mean a Turnabout is fair play. That doesn't mean we can play dirty as well. We shouldn't lie about them and say that they're of Devah just because they're accusing us of uh, slandering us, doesn't mean we should slander them. They're, they're not Jews, they're not honest. What can we do? But Jews are honest. This is always a temptation when you're in a political fight, a religious fight, and one side is playing dirty, one side is lacking integrity, being dishonest. So you want to say, okay, You know, turnabout is fair play. Ideally, we'd, we'd, we'd have this fight in an above-board way, but if my opponent is, uh, is, is engaged in dirty tricks, I have to, uh, fair is fair, I have to retaliate in kind. Says the Rambam, no, we're better than that. Our enemies, Ashur P.M.D. Bereshov, Iminam Vegomer, they're liars, they're, they're fundamentally dishonest, and we're not. We have to tell the truth, we have to take the high road, regardless of what attitude our opponents take toward us. And if someone says that their mosques, their houses of worship are churches and there's idolatry inside, that their ancestors worshiped, he says, history is history, he says. Why is it relevant? Who cares what they used to do? He says it doesn't matter what they used to do a long time ago. Those who worship today, Muslim worshipers in a mosque today, he says, Ain Libam la Shamayim. Muslims today are worshiping God, worshiping Allah, Allah is God, same God as we worship. Muslims today are theologically unimpeachable in their, in, their, in their basic religious belief in God. Etc. And Chazal tell us that if a person bows, bows down in a house of idol worship, but he himself is, uh, he thinks it's a shul, so he's bowing down to Hashem. That's theologically innocent. He meant it, 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 it depend, idol worship depends on what you mean. If you mean to worship Hashem, that's not idol worship, he says. All the Muslims today, he says, Kulam, Tafinashim, women, children, Ava has been eliminated from them, Hashem, Klal. They they make other mistakes. They make mistakes about Muhammad and other things, but their belief in Yichad Hashem, the belief in the fundamental belief in God, they are entirely correct about their beliefs in God. Then he goes on, he talks about the ancient Avadazaras that used to be worshipped in uh, they they used to be worshipped in the in Muslim areas, he says. And it's true, they, they once worshipped the Vodizar, as he says, and um, you, you can, you, that, that was before Islam. Before Islam, yes, the, the Arabs in these places, the Ishmaelim in these places, used to worship various kinds of Avodah par, Pa'ar, Markulis, Kimosh, different different Vodizaris from Tanakh and from Chazal. Yes, it's true that uh, Arabs, the Arabs, these same uh, ethnic groups a long time ago, before Muhammad, before Islam, used to worship various uh, classic pagan idols. However, he says, he reiterates, Avodah Yishma'ilim, Hayom, Muslims of today, they say uh, th- they say that, um, that, that, that even though they, they they kept some of the old practices that had their roots in in idol worship, today they have uh, other rationales for them. He says that even though that 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 even if some of these practices started under pagan times, nobody today is bowing down in an idolatrous uh, manner. Nobody today is doing this with idolatrous intent. El Today they all have in mind the, the true religious worth it worship, monotheism, the roots, the history is not relevant he says today their beliefs are are unobjectionable. Now, the way your Rebbe treated you, he says, Asharheshivcha, Hogan. Your rebbe responded to you improperly. he made you sad. B'hech d'ha, b'hech d'ha, he made you angry. Kara he called you a fool. Says the says the Rambam avera the, the way the way your rebbe treated you is a great sin. Is terribly wrong. He says chata, he committed a great avera. The beinai I'd like to think, I, apparently he says he, he didn't realize what he was doing. That We'll, we'll say he was inadvertent. He should ask you Mechila, he says. Even though you're his Talmud, and normally it's, it's, the, it's the duty of a Talmud to respect the Rav, but the, but the Talmud is a human being as well. The Rebbe owes certain, the Rebbe has to respect the dignity of the the, the, the Rebbe has to respect the dignity of the the, 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 the the Rebbe has to respect the dignity of the Talmud as well. See so He has to ask you Mechila. It's appropriate for him to ask you Mechila, even though you're his Talmud. He should fast. He should cry out to Hashem. He should daven. He should uh, practice humility and submissiveness to Hashem. Maybe, hopefully, Hashem will forgive him. Was he drunk? And he uh, did, was he so drunk that he that he didn't know that thirty six places language of Chazal, I think thirty six places in the Torah. The Torah warns us to treat a ger properly. The Torah recognizes that Agar is vulnerable. Agar is owed respect for what he did, for joining Klal Yisrael, for leaving his comfortable position and joining Klal Yisrael. And thirty-six times the Torah warned us to treat Geirim with, uh, with, uh, with respect. The lo What happened to the pasuk of lo Sona? Oh no, Oh no, oh no, Explicit pasuk not to hurt the feelings of Agar. He no So. And this is all true, even if he was right, even if he was right about the underlying theological question, he was right that Islam is Abizarra.taah, and you were wrong. So still, to treat you rudely is still unacceptable. he should have explained it to you gently, is to speak to you softly. Even if he was right, it would, it would be the way he treated you was, was unacceptable. Shamarta Ms, certainly you were right, and he was wrong. So to, to, to add insult to injury, not to add injury to insult, however you want to say it, not only, was, uh, not only did he treat you improperly, he wasn't even right about the underlying issue. is a d'oresh uh, achari he says, he's worried about, he, he's, he's being all, uh, all judgmental of the yishme'elim and investigating other people's flaws, maybe they're really of the zara, Imlav, the Rambam here gets very, very sharp, he says, let him worry about himself, he says. He, he's the one with the problem. Alakas, shekas, he wants to worry about people's failings. Worry about himself. He says he just uh, he just uh, humiliated, he devastated a uh, ger tzedek improperly. This <laughs> this person is so concerned about judging people's failings in the area of avodah zara. Stop worrying about the yishmaelim. Worry about yourself. You got angry at a, at, at your Talmud. You, you're an over the Zara practically. The Yadua he says shechova shechave shechave sonu hatorah lagerim gidolahi ala av ala emes tevinu bechavudim morah b'al neviim l'shma alahem v'efshir chabrid adam v'yira v'yishem yishen ovo that the he says the 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 respect we have to have for gerim is even more is even more than we have for our parents. He says parents you're commanded to have covered to have respect morah to have awe or reverence. Nevi'im, we have to listen to them. All right. doesn't say you have to love your parents. doesn't say you have to love the Nevi'im. You have to listen to them. You have to obey them. You have to respect them. That's what it says. A person can honor somebody and respect him and show him reverence. And not particularly like him, he says. Ala geirim, the Torah goes even further. Ala geirim tibano be'ava. That the Torah says you have to love geirim. It's v'ohev geir, l'salechem asimla. You have to love geirim. You have to love geirim. So what this what this what this Rebbe did, he says, is terrible and un- besides the fact that he was wrong about the underlying issue, it was terrible. It was in violation of dozens of psukim in the Torah. It was tantamount to Avodah himself. It's in violation of, a, of, of an incredibly uh, high, but incredibly high responsibility of loving the ger. He called you a fool. V'zeshulakar l'chaksil. Kame who he says he I'm, says I'm flabbergasted. Somebody could do that. He says. Adam a person who abandoned his parents. He abandoned his his religion, his his, his whole his whole society. makam Aladito, Malchus Amo, he abandoned the place where he was born, the 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 the, the nation in which he lives, the hanatuya the haven, ba'in libo, and he joined the Judaism. Judaism is not a popular religion, a popular ethnic group today, he says. misav. Goy, little miss of Guy, Evan, Mo, Evan Moslembo, He says Jews are not popular today. Jews are the underdog. Jews are ruled over by others. He says it's such an incredible thing that you did to become a Ger to, to a, just because you saw the, the truth, you abandoned everything that everything that, that gave you comfort and ease, and you joined the Jewish people, and you recognize Adasim Das with You realize that Judaism is true. The Haven He understands the ways of the Jewish people. The Kol Acharei Hashem. Tov avr baderachachodes vniklas takas kanfya shrina binis avek ba'afar raglim mosher ben olafa shalom rabon shel kol nevi'im vechafech bimitzvosav binis ol lebo lekarvol la'ar le'ar barachaim ulalos lamalasham ulacham incredible things Ram says he, he's, he's talking about how incredible how wonderful how how just uh how beautiful everything he did was he abandoned everything he had l'shamei shamayim just for the sake of truth for the sake of akash barchu for the sake of the Torah came takas kanfya shrina to, to benefit from the, aur, the, the the light and the life of the Torah, and he, he reached the level of Malachim, meaning you, of Adi, Hager, all these things are true about you, he abandoned the, the temptations of Olam Hazeh. someone who, 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 who did these incredible, these amazing things, someone would call you a fool, a <laughs> little bit of a pun, to play on words. The, the appropriate word for you is not ksil with a samach. Hashem does not call you a ksil. Hashem calls you a maskil, from seichel, from someone who uh, achieves success and understanding, who is who's, uh, sophisticated. These are the words that are appropriate for you. Someone who is uh, sharp and astute, who understands. the mechachos, Talmido shalav avram you are a you are a true disciple of Avram Avinu Sheiniach Havosav. All these things we said before. Avram abandoned his parents Moladito, his place of birth. Vnotach Rei Hashem. He followed Hashem. Umi Shabiriches Avram Rabban Vnasin Rabban Vnasin Lo Schara Olam The Raman gives him a bracha. This is Vadiyah Hashem who blessed Avram and gave him uh, and gave him the and gave him Schar and Olam riches and success and Olam of course. May He, Hashem, bless you as well. May He give you schar, karoi, azeh, ul haba. May He give you schar in this world, and the next, the yamecha, ad she, ad Torah Hashem until you, you should have a long life, you should be able to teach Torah to the Jewish people. The oscha liraz b'chala nechama sa'asidos li Yisrael. May He grant you the merit to see all the comforts of the geula the, that Hashem will bring on Klal Yisrael. That is the pasuk I think that Moshe said about Yisro. That Yisro joined. He told Yisro, "Stay with us, and you will benefit from all the all the good Hashem will do to us. Will benefit you." And apropos pasuk for Agar, obviously, Hashem di Yisrael. Moshe This is an incredibly moving tshuva. As I said, it shows the Rambam both as a halachist. He addresses the question of is Islam a vodezara? Resounding no. A historian as well, Rambam talks about the history, ancient Arabic culture, contemporary Arabic culture, but also the Rambam is a human being. The Rambam is giving what we would call chizuk. The Rambam is trying to is trying to uh, make him feel better. This, the Rambam has so much uh, respect and admiration for this ger. The Rambam recognizes in the Rambam we read mostly as a halachist, someone who deals with uh, kind of the, the cut and dried halacha. But the Rambam, the Rambam had the soul of a poet as well. The Rambam had the emotions of a. Uh, there are other chuvas of the Rambam where, where he where he shows his emotional side, his side as a human being. But 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 this is this, this is the Rambam showing sides of him. We don't know. We see the the underlying halakhic point, which is a crucially important one, is that Rambam insists Islam is not is not a vodizara. Additionally, the Rambam goes on and on lauding, praising, admiring what what this Ovadia did, and sharply castigating the person who uh, who treated him like this and assuring him that we have nothing but the greatest respect for him and, give, and blessing him that he should merit all these, uh, all these things. Easy to say now, I guess, but if, if, if I was humiliated and insulted by my Rebbe and then I got a letter like this from the Rambam, that, that, that would kind of make up for it. And A, and a letter like this from the Rambam would, would be just uh, unimaginable, uh, unimaginable, an unimaginable joy and comfort. I don't know how Rabbi Badya felt about this. Presumably he was at least, uh, hopefully he was at least somewhat, felt somewhat better after reading this. But this is the this is the letter of the Rambam. We know, incidentally, maybe we'll discuss this another time. We know the Rambam was very sympathetic toward gerim. There's another famous letter of the Rambam where a ger asked him whether he's able to say can, can he say in Tfilah, Can he can he use language that says that God is the that you are the God of my fathers? My fathers were not Jews. My father was not uh, Avram Avram Yitzchak My father was not Avram. My father was not Yitzchak. My father, my fathers were pagans. Our fathers were pagans too. The maskal begnosim asayim b'shevach metchila terach avram avinacher was But we at least had avram. The ger doesn't have that. So the rambam has again a beautiful letter reassuring him that a ger is in no way inferior to a jew, and that avram is his father as well. That that, that by cho- he may not be his biological father, but by choosing to to, to making the conscious and deliberate choice to cast away the. The, the idolatry and the falsehood, and to embrace the Torah and truth and God, he, he certainly is considered a, a, a descendant of in a in Avinu a, in a very real sense, and so on. But anyway, this is the position of the Rambam. The The core halachic position is, as he says briefly regarding Yayin Nesach and as he says at great Lands in this Shuva, Islam is absolutely 100% not A Zarah. It's true, Arabs, the same people, the same cultures a long time ago, did worship idols, but they don't do that anymore, and that's what counts. Today they don't, and that is the bottom line. This Rambam, as I said before, this Rambam is widely accepted. Many post probably most post follow the Rambam and say that Islam is not a vote of I mentioned last time, Rav Yosef has a tshuva regarding uh, entering a mosque where he, he says it's mutter. you know not allowed to enter a church, but a mosque is not a church. A mosque is a place where they worship God. We don't accept the details of their religion, we don't accept Muhammad and so on, it's not about the Zara, the is like the Rambam. And indeed, many post adopt this position in a variety of contexts. For example, Rav Khan inspector has a tshuva where he was asked about he was asked about a, there was a, uh, not sure, the, the, the Kaiser, the, I'm not sure if this is the Tsar or the one, one of the crowned heads of Europe or Russia in his time had conquered territory from Turkey. I guess we can track down which war it would have been and which uh, which conqueror we're talking about. But uh, he says that that there that there was territory that was captured by Europeans from from Turkey, and and they, they apparently there were Jewish soldiers who asked the, the general or the governor in charge to give them a place to daven. Barov Chasto, the great uh, generosity of the of the general. He gave them a place to Davin. They were, they were quartered in this city, this, this Muslim city, that it had previously been a mosque. And had been captured by the Kaiser. So now he gave it to them to use as a shul. The question was, can Jews use a former mosque as a shul? So there's a lot of literature on this question in general, using a former church or mosque as a shul. We're not going to get into the whole issue. But I just want to quote briefly one part of Yitzhak khans Chuva. He writes, after going through some of the, diff- some of the different aspects of the Shailah, he writes... The he says, This whole question about can you daven in a place that was formerly uh, a house of Avodah Zara? He says, "He says we're not talking about a Christian church here." He says, "We're talking about Muslims." Yisheilim he says, Mavur Lahadi brings a Ramah, a different source that we didn't quote tonight, who seems to take for granted that like the Raman, the Yisheilim are not of Avodah Zara. If not of Avodah Zara, he says, then what's the problem? This whole discussion about converting a, a base of Avodah Zara into a shul. Is when they actually worshipped idols there, he says. But in a case of, of Muslims, he says, Muslims are not of Vod-e-Zarah. Just because they pray uh, with Islamic r- rituals in there, he says, that's not of the that's not Therefore, baruru, even though it was previously a place of Tfila for for uh for Then actually he gets into a whole discussion of the of the al Qibla and so on, and he uh he brings what we said last week that really it would be a shell of Avodazara. I hadn't seen this before, but he says he says, he says the Rashba, the, the whole discussion started from the discussion of al qibla The Rashba, the Rashba implied that it was uh, it was Avodazara, just the Rashba said that the you don't have to worry about it because the, the Jew doesn't mean Avodazara. Maybe the Muslim does, but he's not the one Shechting, so the animal's not us. The Rashba implies it is Avodazara, just that he's not the one Shachting, so it's okay. So we we discussed uh, we discussed this last week, the Pritar made this point also. So, so how, do we, how, how do we deal with that, he says? So he says, if you, he says, if you, uh, he says, if you, if, you, if you look at the Rashba, he says he wasn't really worried about Avodah literally Avodah Zarah. The halacha is, if a person has a religious ritual, even if it's not strictly Avodah Zarah, in, so, in some cases, if, 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 if the animal becomes Usr anyway, and that's what the Rashba was worried about. But even the Rashba agrees, he says, the Rashba also agrees in principle that it's not Avodah and therefore, that's the maskana of Khanan Inspector as well, like the Rambam, that it is not a zara. Then he brings the prechadish that we talked about tonight about the the prechadish about uh, the takbir, and he says uh, also if there's any discussion of avodah zara, he says that the issue would have to be only because because uh, even if it's not a zara, if it's a religious ritual, it can cause problems. But uh, but Mikra Adin says ad-Din says says Khanan, Islam is not a zara. Ravadia says that's the consensus of the post and that's indeed the the position of most post There might be some outliers, I still haven't really tracked down, again, the Rashbu's moshmah was Avodah Zahra, but Zilkhan Inspector says that's not what he means. There might be some debate about it, but this is the consensus view, this is the dominant view following the Rambam, that Islam is not actually a Zahra, even though they believe things that that we believe are not correct. So they're wrong, but wrong is not the same thing as a Zahra. They believe in Muhammad. We don't believe in Muhammad. That's fine, but the bottom line is, the God they worship is a monotheistic God. It is not a pagan deity. What, they, what the Muslims do when they say Allah Akbar, that means God is great. That's something which is not Avodah Zarah, according to the pre apparently. And when they face al qibla, we saw the Pre-Tarish said it's not literally Avodah Zarah. Rabbi Salchanan says it might cause problems for the Shekita anyway. That's what we discussed previously. But Me'ikra Adin, this is the consensus of the poskim, that Islam is not actually Avodah Zarah.